I'm Jonathan Stiano, consultant plastic surgeon, and you're about to hear my talk from my breast augmentation evening that I held at my clinic, where I talk about the pros and cons of having breast implants so you can make a balanced decision about what is right for you. The contents can either be silicone, so it can be a silicone shell with silicone gel inside, or saline. In this country, we don't really use saline implants. I mean, oh, so, I mean, saline implants is basically like a bag of crisps. It's just it was a bag of water. You know, that's what it's what it is basically. So rippling is is a, a real problem. Um, they can deflate. Uh, the the saline implants are more common in America. Uh, in America, many years ago, America they um, banned silicone implants uh, for for a period of time. Um, so for many years in America they couldn't use silicone implants, so they had only used saline, obviously silicone shell, but they only used saline implants. They had, they, they're back in now in America, they can use silicone implants again, but um, they still use them a bit, saline. They never banned them in this country, so we've always used silicone and we've never used saline. So saline, yeah, they ripple, uh, they deflate, and they're just not very good compared to a silicone implant. Um, but you know, someone occasionally people say, "Oh, I'm you know don't want any silicone in my body," and you're like, "Well, okay, we still have a silicone, a silicone shell." Um, so um, most implants are a silicone gel inside and a silicone shell, and then they come with different coatings. So uh, that's a smooth one. That's a textured one, and that's a polyurethane one. So all of these are silicone gel inside silicone shell but they've got different coatings and there's good and bad about all of them sometimes people will try and tell you one's the best people often come here and say oh i've been to uh, you know they, they use the best implants i'm like well you know uh, there's no best they're, they're, they're just sort of different um and there's pros and cons about all of them um i will happily use all, all of them and i just tell patients about all the sort of good and the bad about all of them when they first made implants back in um, 1960, early 60s, uh, implants first came out, they came out like that. That's how they came, a smooth um, silicone implant. And the, uh, what they found was uh, you, they started to go hard, uh, which was scar tissue forming around the implant. Which is capsular contracture. Capsular contracture, but anyways, that's sometimes people will say to you, the implants will change every 10 years. Have you heard of that? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people, I don't know where that comes from, where the 10 years <coughs> comes from. It's the people that make them. It's like, yeah, yeah. probably. Well, yeah. the people that make them, um, they gar they're guaranteed for life, all these implants yeah. are guaranteed for life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a thing to say, you know, it's sort of repeat business mm -hmm. type thing. Um, but they're, they're all built to last forever, but they can start to go hard. And what they found was these ones, they, they started to go hard. So they said, all right, what can we do? Um, the scars they're going hard. So then they made these ones, the polyurethane ones. Sometimes people think the polyurethane ones are new because they haven't heard of them or they're not very common, uh, which is no, true. They're, they're not very common and not many people have heard of them, uh, but they're not new. They're from the, these are some, I don't know what exactly, something like 63 or something that they invented these and those are like 67. So they've been out for many, many years, okay. uh, polyurethane implants. Um, and what they found was, this is like a foam. It's like a foam on the outside. And what happened is the scar tissue, because whenever you put a foreign body in the body, it walls, the body will wall it off in scar tissue, that's normal. And the, the, the scar tissue forms 
in, grows into the foam in a three-dimensional way. So that when the scar tissue contracts, it doesn't form a sheet around the implant. It, it contracts in all different directions. So they're much less likely to go hard, these ones, compared to, to these ones. Um, so that's good. So you might think, well, why aren't they all like this then? Because <laughs> that's, you know, the, the risk of them going hard is much less than this risk. Yeah, I mean, they've all got, they've all got the sort of a weight to them. Yeah. And sometimes when people sort of put them in their bra, they're like, oh, I've got a bit of weight to them. You know, they have got a bit of weight to them. But when they're in your body, closer to your body, there is less. Because there's the moment effect. You know, if you hold a weight like that, it's heavier than if you hold it like that. But they have, there is no doubt, there is a, there is a certain weight to it. Um, but um, but the, the, so these ones sound good because they um, are less likely to go hard, which, which is good. But the problem with these ones is that years ago they took some stuff off these and they injected it into rats and the rats got cancer. So they stopped using them in this country for a long time and everyone looks like that when you say that. Oh my God, they cause cancer, they're terrible. Um, and we stopped using them in the UK and we used to think like that, flipping it, can't believe people are using these ones. Because in Europe, in Australia, in Brazil, in other parts of the world, they continue to use them. Um, and what they found was that the cancer that the, uh, the rats got, there's no evidence to say that any human has ever got that cancer. Uh, the stuff that they inject into the rats was injected in high quantities and it is not known to cause cancer in humans. So they brought them back on the market now so we can use them again. Um, but a lot of people, uh, but whenever comes on comes, I tell them this, they say, look, they cause cancer in rats. Because what I don't want to do is talk about these implants, then you go and Google it and then someone says, God, you're not having those ones, are they? They cause cancer in rats. Um, because I think they're good implants because they don't go hard. But a lot of people think, Hold on a minute, I don't fancy that. Cancer and rats, not going to have them. The other thing is they do feel a bit firmer because the scar tissue grows into them. Mm. And so they do feel a bit firmer. They take about a year for them to soften. So they are, I think they're good implants, but they're a bit controversial. Um, and what I used to do and what many surgeons do is they only use them for people who've had capsular contracture. Yeah. And then, then, they, then they say, okay, you've had capsular contracture, you then use these implants. The reason I changed is because um, if you have capsular contracture two or three times, then I say to you, I've got these implants that don't go hard. You might say to me, well, why didn't you tell me that 10 years ago? You know, avoided the last three operations I've had. So I tell everyone the first time about it, but if people don't fancy it, you can always go with um, the, the silicone ones, the textured silicone ones. Um, so, um, so I think they're good. But as I say, they were taken off the market for a while. And so when they got taken off the market, they're like, oh goodness me, what are we going to do? Because they were, we used to think they were good because they didn't cause calcium treachery. So what we did was, or, or say we, the people who make the implants, um, they got the uh, silicone implants and at least one of the companies, this is the way the mentor do it, the other companies do it slightly differently, but you get a wet silicone implant and you imprint the polyurethane on the wet silicone implant to make a textured implant. So the textured implant is trying to mimic polyurethane. In the, in the, it's, it's roughening the surface a bit to try and make it, to break up scar tissue, to make it less, um, less smooth, and make it more like a, a polyurethane implant. So these have got less capsular contracture than these. They're not as good as polyurethane, but still they're less. And these are probably the mainstay at, at 
the moment, whether that's going to change, I'll talk about that in a minute. But at the moment, these are probably the mainstay, in, certainly in this country, is a textured um, silicone implant. And that's why the texturing is there, just to try and break up that scar tissue a bit uh, around the outside. So, um, your, so those are the sort of the, the main types. So you've got, you've got your uh, smooth implants, you've got textured implants, and you've got um, polyurethane foam implants, as I say, they're all silicone gel. Um, they're all what we call form stable. Um, the Americans call it gummy bear, if you've heard of that, or we would say a jelly baby, and that if you cut them in two, they stay in two, they don't sort of leak um, liquid silicone. Um, they've all got a silicone shell, and the difference just comes in the coating, whether the coating is smooth, textured, or foam coating. Now, um, People get very worried and very do a lot of research about what sort of implant they should have. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people will come onto the internet and they'll say, to, what do you think, uh, you know, should I have a 200 or a 400 or whatever <coughs> like that. Um, and it, it's, the first thing I always say to people is, it's important where you put the implant and how you, how you place the implant is very important in terms of the surgery. Is, does play quite an important role. So whilst the implant does have a role, the surgery has a, a, also a very important role. So you've got to choose your surgeon as well as choosing what implant you're going to have. And within certain limits, it doesn't matter that much about the type of implant you have. So you know, you've really got to look at the surgeon as well as the implant. Now, in terms of the implant, there's two things you've got to look at. One is the shape of the implant. And broadly speaking, you've either got a teardrop or round. And the other is a profile of the implant, which means how much it sticks out. Now, teardrop and round, again, you'll hear that's teardrop, that's round. Some people say teardrop will give you a natural look. You've heard of that? Mm -hmm. so round give you a fake look, you know? Yeah. Right? I hear that all the time. I get it all the time. Too. Um, the, the important thing when you're choosing an implant, personally, when I'm choosing an implant, uh, the number one thing I look at is the width of the breast. I look at the, 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 the frame of the person. That is really important. So when you're looking at implants, there's loads and loads of different implants. So when people come to the clinic, they think, oh my God, what implants shall I have? There's so many different types of implants. How do I choose? Right, well, actually, when you come down to it, there's not that many that you can have. You think you can have any implant you want, you can't. You've got to have one that, first of all, your width is set. You can't change that. So that narrows you down significantly, um, the, the width of the implant, or the width of your chest. Uh, and the other thing you've got to look at is the shape of your breast. You know, this, the shape that you've got, because you've got to add your breast to the implant. So you can't really say that that implant gives you a fake look, and that because it's different for different people. For me, teardrop implants really come in for people who've got no breast tissue. Like, <clears throat> I used to, when I was in the NHS, I did reconstruction uh, after cancer, and you always use teardrop for a reconstruction, because there's nothing there. If you look round, it's going to look round. You know, if you just put round implant, you're like, oh yeah. But if you've got breast tissue there, that's different because you've got to add the breast tissue to the to the to the implant. So this sort of person here, look, this this here, that is a classic example of someone who I'd use a teardrop in. She's got nothing. Okay. She's got no breast tissue. Right. So a teardrop gives you a teardrop. Yeah, a shape. That 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 sort of shape, that aesthetically pleasing shape of a breast. Now the other thing is. A lot of people say, I want natural. I'm like, well, natural is different for different people. Um, and sometimes people want a bit more fullness in the upper part of the breast, which is less natural, but that's what they want. So you have to get into what, what natural means to them. 
Um, if you look at the other one I've got, this, this one here, see she's got a similar breast shape to the last one and she's got a round implant and it does look more rounded, right? So if you haven't got much breast tissue, the shape is important. Okay. So she, both of those two have got not much breast tissue and she's got a round implant mm -hmm. which is a bit more full in the upper pole. Okay. So I think if you haven't got much breast tissue, um, that's where teardrop come in if you want that more natural, slightly less full. But around, I mean, it doesn't look crazy unnatural, but it is fuller. It is a rounder look. If you've got breast tissue, it doesn't matter so much between teardrop and round. To be quite honest with you, it just doesn't matter that much. I wouldn't really worry about teardrop and round. If you look at... Um, uh, oh, this is a profile. Okay, so if you look, if you look at these two here, um, see both of these people have got a bit of breast tissue, and so they both had implants, and they both look pretty similar. One's got a teardrop implant, one's got a round implant. So when you've got a bit of breast tissue, it's personal preference. Sometimes people say they want teardrop, but you couldn't necessarily, well, I, I couldn't necessarily say that one's got a teardrop, one's got a round. They both look pretty similar because they've got a breast, bit of breast tissue because that breast tissue is on top of the mm. on top of the implant so shape is really important if you've got nothing if you've got no breast tissue at all then you might want to think about uh, a teardrop implant one of the issues with the teardrop implant is you can get rotation mm. so if you don't need it if you don't need a teardrop yeah, it's yeah, like that's that. right it's so annoyed. you know that's just an extra thing on your mind and then worry about that you know enough to worry about it, it is. Yeah, it is. so for me you know teardrop around really if you've got no breast tissue it when you've got a bit of breast tissue then the the really important thing because sometimes people say well should I have a 250 I get it all the time 250 or 300 or should I have a 350 or four you know I'm like it's the profile the profile is what matters and people talk, they do talk a bit about profile, but they certainly talk less about profile than they do about volume. People always talk about what, like size, 200 and 300 and stuff like that. And the thing you mean by profile is, oh, I haven't put a good selection here, but they're slightly, they're slightly different profile. Can you see how one sticks out a bit more than another? Yeah. This one sticks out a bit more. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So some stick out, uh, we've got so many implants, I should have bought them. So basically, they come low, medium, high, extra high profile. They come in, uh, in different profiles, so some stick out more than others. Mm -hmm. So that is the thing that you've got to worry about, or you've got to think about choosing. Once you've chosen a profile, once you've chosen low, medium, high, extra high profile, the width of this frame is set. There'll only be a couple of implants that will that will be to choose from. And sometimes it gets so clouded by all the stuff in the media, all the stuff out there, and people worry about it so much. And we get people here who worry about which one should I have? And I'm like, it doesn't, once you've chosen a profile, there'll be one or two that you can have. And to be honest with you, between those one and two, it doesn't matter. Because if you are, say, having a, say, a moderate profile or whatever, and you're choosing between two implants, a 320 and a 340 or whatever, the difference between two is going to be hardly anything. Because the, the bigger one is going to be slightly bigger, but it's slightly, slightly bigger in every direction. But if you're choosing different profiles, then that is a different kettle of fish. Because a different profile will stick out more, and that extra volume will come in how much it sticks out. I've got some photos here. Because um, some, someone might say, oh, look, you know, my friend's got 250cc and she looks great. 
So can mm -hmm. I have two fifty cc's, please? I'm like, yeah, well, what you know, what shapes your friend? If your friend's very wide, she might have a two fifty cc low profile implant, which might not stick out much. And then if you're very narrow, and I put a two fifty extra high profile, and you look totally different to your friend, yeah. you know, what the heck have you done to me? You know what? You... So if you look at these. Both of these are about the same size. She's got a 295, she's got a 280. But she's got a 295 low profile, she's got a 280 high profile. Can you see the takeoff of the upper pole? Um, it's a much fuller look. They're both the same size, but that's a rounder look and that's a flatter look in, in the upper part of the breast. So they're the same size implant, but different profiles. But going back to adding the implant to your breast, if you want a sort of a natural look, then you've got to think about if what the shape of your breast is now. So sometimes people lack volume in the upper part, like saying, you know, like they haven't got much. Particularly if you've had children, lost weight, or something like that, lost a bit of volume in the upper part of the breast. Now the problem there is that the skin has been stretched, and the stretch is gone. So something has stretched the skin, and then that stretching force is gone, and, and you've left with too much skin. And it's the same for any body contouring surgery. If it's the tummy, same with the tummy tuck, same with a facelift, anything. It's the, the, the skin has been stretched. There's too much skin, basically. So that is when you get into the realms of thinking about lift. So because there's too much skin and you need to somehow add volume. So if you're gonna add volume, you can either you can either put an implant in to sort of stretch the skin and take up the slack, or you can cut the skin out, which is basically having a breast lift. Mm. Now some people don't fancy a breast lift yeah. um, and it depends on how bad how much spare skin there is there is whether you can take up the slack with a with an implant but if that's the case and you're flat in the upper pole it might be that you'll want a, a round implant to give you some volume back into the upper pole because you've already got the volume in the lower yes. pole so um, so actually choosing implants is an absolute nightmare for people and there's forums and God knows what where people are on all the time but in terms for, for it's not actually that, that difficult and it doesn't you haven't actually got that much choice. The width of your frame is set. For me, tear, if you've got nothing, teardrop might be a, an option. But if you've got some breast tissue already, probably round would be where you, you go. And I, I mean I do use teardrop implants. Some people don't use teardrop implants. They say if a round implant sits like that, it sort of goes teardroppy, the volume goes into the lower pole. So some people never use teardrop. I do use teardrop because I do think that you know the shape is is different but um, so if you've got a bit of volume then probably going to be around and then it's just a question of looking at profile of how full you're going to go in the upper pole depending on how much volume you've got in the upper pole already versus how much you want and that's why you've got to get into what natural means because pretty much yeah. everybody says they want natural some people say they want fake it's actually quite hard to make them look fake if they've got a fair bit of breast tissue already if you haven't got much breast tissue it's so you can put a big round implant in and it'll look like a big round breast. Yeah. Sometimes people say, oh, well, um, behind the muscle's better, isn't it? Because behind the muscle's more natural, or whatever. In front of the muscle's better, isn't it? Because, you know, um, there's good and bad about both, in, in front and behind. And uh, as you say, the, 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 the bottom line is, and again, when you, when you simplify, I think, I, think, I think probably the industry has made it, has complicated it and made it difficult for people and I think the doctors make things difficult for for people to understand but I think if you get into it it's all you know at the end of the day you've got an implant and you're trying to hide it yeah right that is going in the body and if you look at that implant if I hold that implant up 
Can you see what the ski is rippling? Yeah. Right? They all look like that in the body. That, that, anyone who's got anybody looks like that. And we're trying to hide that. I'm trying to, I don't want, you don't want to see the ripples. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to hide the ripples. So hopefully you've got enough breast to hide the, hide the implant. If you haven't got enough breast to hide the implant, well then the muscle is another layer that you can put on top to hide that. Because they all look like that when they're in the body. So basically, uh, and, the, and the sort of the, the, the classic sign really is if you can see your ribs. Yeah, see, I've if I can put my finger and I can and I can know that I'm going to touch a rib, I'm like, you can't hide your ribs. How am I supposed to hide that? Because <laughs> yeah. if you can't hide your ribs, you can see your ribs. You're going to see that, aren't you? So if you can see your ribs, muscle, under muscle. Now, when you put it under muscle, the muscle is your pec major muscle. Your pec. Mm. I don't know if you've seen sort of you know, bodybuilders and stuff with the pec, the pec's like that, right? So the pec hides this bit of the implant. Oh, okay. This bit is never under the muscle. Oh, okay. So if you're really slim, you may get ripples at the side. And it's just, that's just that. You can't, you know. You can't, when you, when you do breast cancer work, you do do complete muscle coverage. Yeah. You raise other muscles to cover it. You never do that for cosmetic. Cosmetic is always just under the peck. Have you heard of dual plane? Don't worry about it if you haven't heard of dual plane. Okay, don't worry about it. This is the problem. People get so into this stuff and they learn all this stuff that plastic surgeons struggle to, you know, when you examine other surgeons, it's quite complicated. To, uh, and then patients start talking about this stuff, you know, doesn't matter. But anyway, but the bottom line is, yes, the muscle is if you can't, if you can't hide your ribcage, I'd be like, well, then, then you've got to think about putting them under the muscle, right? Now you might say, well, if the muscle gives it a bit of cover, why don't you just do that to everyone? Because everyone wants a bit of cover, you know, you can have a bit more cover, even if you've got some cover, why, why not? Now, because there are some bad things about putting it the muscle. See, it does hurt a bit more when you put it under the muscle, because obviously you pet major every time you move something. And sometimes people say, oh, my friend had it done, and, you know, she didn't, didn't, didn't yeah, do she, that at yeah, all. Yeah, my friend had then, it done under the muscle. Right, okay, well, my friend had it, and it was really a lot of pain. <laughs> And, I, and, I, and, I, and the other one I had done is in no pain, so that must have been a good surgeon and a bad surgeon. And I'm like, well, it might be that one was under the muscle and one wasn't, because yeah. it is going to be, broadly speaking, more, more uncomfortable. But having said that, you get some people who have that under the muscle get no pain at all. Yeah. And you get some people who have that on top of the muscle who get a lot of pain. So it depends so, on the pain factor. Yeah, so I don't think it's not under, but you know, broadly speaking, a little bit more uncomfortable. Bleeds a bit more. So the hematoma, blood collecting inside, higher risk when you put it under the muscle. And the other big one is the muscle can hold the implant up. The muscle can hold the implant high. Mm. Also, the muscle can hold it wide. If you've, if you've ever seen a really wide cleavage, you've ever seen these people yeah. with a really weirdly wide cleavage, <laughs> they just go on there. God. That is, they put it under the muscle and they haven't released the muscle enough. Right? When you do the surgery here, there's big blood vessels here. And sometimes surgeons will worry about these big blood vessels. And if you don't release those muscles enough, the muscle can hold it wide and get a very wide cleavage. Yeah, some pictures of right. Sometimes the muscle can hold it up high, and sometimes you can get something called animation deformity. Have you heard of that? No. Animation deformity means when you move, when you move, you move your pec major because the muscle. Yeah, the, the implant moves. Oh so, so your classic example, well. right? When your bodybuilder, <laughs> bodybuilder is a nightmare because a bodybuilder's got no fat, can't hide their blooming. Their, 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 their skeleton, you know, so they've got nothing to hide, you can't, you've got no tissue to hide it, and yet they don't want it under the muscle, because every time they move, the, the implant's going to move. So bodybuilders are the classic sort of 
difficult case to put implants in. But, you know, so there are bad things with putting it on the muscle. So it's a, I'm not giving you an answer, I'm just saying it's a balance between whether you put it on the muscle. It does good, because it is good because it hides it, yeah. but it is bad because it, um, because it, it can, it can ripple. So, um, so yeah, so actually, as I say, the choice of implant usually comes down to something that's relatively simple, but it's hard to do when someone says, should I have a moderate profile for 15 or something like that. You're like, you have to look at the breast you've got, you have to measure the, the, the width of your, your chest, uh, and then you have to look at the different profiles to try and get an idea of what's the right size for you. Um, and there are some bad things that can happen that I just want to talk about because, as I say, I see it all the time in the media, all these bad things that can happen um, with implants and how bad they are. And ALC, I don't know, you seem to have done you of ALCL? Yeah. Right, okay. ALCL, breast implant illness. There's broadly speaking, there's sort of two, two camps, really, of, of bad things, right? One camp of bad things is bad things that we do see, right? There's no question there are bad things that can happen. Yeah. Right? No one could tell you there's not bad things that can happen. But the other thing is bad things that can happen that have happened to people out there, but are not actually that common in a day-to-day -day practice. And I think people focus on those ones, you know? Uh, and they think, oh my God, someone that happened once to someone, like, yeah, what happened, you know? So the things, the real things that I would, you know, that you might suffer from, scar right there's going to be a scar somewhere right different places you can put the scar but there's going to be a scar somewhere and we hope the scar will be good and it will fade really well and it usually fades brilliantly but it might not it might be a bit red and it might not fade very well pretty much i always put it here in from every fold right so that's a bad thing right it's got to be a scar bleeding can happen as i say it's increased risk with a uh, putting it under the muscle but even on top of the muscle you can get bleeding from the hematoma hematoma means it all balloons up you have to go back to theatre. That can happen. That happens, you know, every now and then. Not very common. And to be honest with you, it doesn't affect the long-term result. So it's not that bad, but it's not very nice because you, no. you have to... Usually happens the day of the surgery, really. Within the first 24 hours after surgery, one side balloons up, and you have to go back to theatre. And it's awful because you have to believe well, oh my God, she's been rushed back in. So, you know, everyone panics, but it's, like, it's not that bad, to be honest. But that is a thing that can happen. Um, infection. Yeah. That is a bad thing, you know. If you get an infection, Anytime you're using any implant, and that's the same if you're having hip replacement or a cataract or any implant in your body, if that implant gets infected, you have to remove it. So that is, to be honest with you, that is the big one. That is the one that I worry about, yeah. infection. It's pretty rare, to be honest with you, but still, if you get an infection, you have to remove the implant. Let the infection settle and then put another one back in a few months later. So you have to do that anyhow. So that's a big deal. And the other thing is capsular contracture, the scar tissue, the hardening of the implant. That's something, again, you have to worry about. So those are the things I would say are real things that you have to worry about. Then there's the other things you hear about, and we have to tell everyone about. Now, ALCL, type of cancer. You heard of ALCL? Yeah. Type of cancer associated with implant. It's really rare. Really rare. You know, it's about five or ten people per year worldwide diagnosed with it. And there's 10 to 15 million people with implants in. And 95% of cases are cured by removing the capsule. It's not breast cancer, yeah. right? People, you know, breast cancer is one in eight. <clears throat> this is something like one in 30,000. And breast cancer doesn't have a 95% cure rate, but you know, yeah. this has got a 95% cure rate, but still, it's a thing. And ALCL is a, it's a cancer of the capsule. It's a, it's a lymphoma, it's not, it's, not a, it's not breast cancer. And it seems to be related to the texturing of the implant, the roughness of the implant. So it's these, it's these implants. 
the, the, the fact of the matter is it's so rare we don't really know. We don't really know what causes it. All we know is that for a long time there were no cases with smooth implants. So we thought it's something to do with the texture. Yeah, there are some cases now. Well, Mentor are possible as well. Mentor do polyurethane and so They're not all salt loss. They're not all made by made like that. Um, but it seems to be something to do with roughness because it's certainly a lot more of a risk with these ones. So, um, so some people are moving towards smooth ones. They're saying look, smooth ones because they've got lower risk of ALCL which is fine. Uh, the problem with smooth ones is they're more risk of rip rippling. You, I showed you this one ripple. That one ripples even more. So yeah. more risk of rippling, more risk of, of going hard. Yeah. Um, so it's good and bad, you know. Um, and it's, But it's a rare thing. So um, if you get rippling with this or if you get a capsular contracture with this, you might need another operation, which is also bad. To be honest, capsular contracture is more common than ASL, but if you have a problem, after the first, let's say, 12 months, six to 12 months, and you need another operation, you have to pay. Yeah. There's not that much between 12 months to sort of five years. It's, un, it's not that common to need something, but certainly five to 10 years, you can think maybe it's gonna to start to go hard, maybe you might need another operation. So you, and if you need another operation, like a capsule, if you have a capsular contracture, which I say is more common than the ALCL, it's a bigger operation than the first operation. And it's more expensive than the first operation. Capsular operation is an expensive operation. And that's the thing you might need in five or 10 years time. Okay. So you have to budget that, when you're thinking of budgets, you have to think in five or 10 years time, I might need, I mean, it's less, that's why I like these ones, because it's less common. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're controversial because that's all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you have to be realistic that there might be... Because I say, they say they've got to be changed every 10 years. That's not true. They haven't got to be changed every 10 years. But you have to think about it around 10 It might start to go hard around 10 years. So... Nonetheless, you just got to keep on saving. <laughs> you don't have, Now, they say the first person to ever have implants... I don't know if this is still true. I should check this. But the first person to ever have implants in 1960-whatever... Has still got them in. Like 50 years later, still got them in. Is it 60 years now? You know, but you know, so they're probably really hard. And the other thing is, which is also big in the media at the moment, it just seems to have flared up, is breast implant illness. Breast implant illness. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I've never, it basically, there's no scientific evidence to say what causes breast implant illness, but basically what it is, is people with breast implants, there's a group of people with breast implants who say it's made them feel ill. They say that they, very non-specific symptoms. Lethargy, lethargy, but the difference is, yeah. uh, lethargy, uh, hair loss, general malaise, very non-specific, but they, have, they believe it's their implants. Okay. And they have the implants removed and they feel better. Right? And I think sometimes the public, and, the, and, and there was a thing recently in the BBC News, thing, almost like doctors are covering it up. I'm like, we're not covering it up. There's no medical, there's no medical uh, scientific link at this point in time. There might be one tomorrow, but right now there's no scientific link that says breast implants make you cause breast implant you know, illness. But nevertheless, there are definitely people out there who complain of these symptoms, who have the implants removed, and they say they feel better.
it's, I, it's very uncommon. I've not had any patients of mine who've had it, but I have treated patients with it who've, had it, who've come to me with implants. Say they've got these symptoms, I'm like, look, you know what, I can't guarantee it's going to get better if you remove the implants, because it might be some other reason why you feel ill, yeah. and there's no scientific thing, but there are people out there, you remove the implants, and they're like, oh, flipping out, I feel so much better. So that yeah. is a thing. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.